You're listening to Under the Shell Podcast, the best in America. Welcome to Under the Shell, presented by Testudo Times. I'm Brendan Weissel. Sam Jane. Michael, let's bring back Big Mike House. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Let's get into the show. Folks, the leaves are turning. It's getting colder in College Park. We all know what that means. People are starting to file into Xfinity Stutter suit, and Maryland basketball is back. And to preview that, we brought on Maryland's leading player, the women's side, Shy Sellers, to talk about the upcoming season, her summer in Team USA, and what she sees for the Terps this upcoming year. Shy, take it away. So our next guest is Cheyenne Sellers, um, Maryland women's basketball player, junior, um, looking to lead the Terps to another Elite Eight appearance, potentially even more. Uh, Shy is kind of looking to take the mantle next year, and we appreciate you for coming on. Uh, thanks again, Shy, And uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, this team heading into the year, how you're feeling. I know you had a long summer, a little Colorado action, uh, playing with USA Basketball. What was that experience like? Um, and how much... How, uh, how much did you learn from the players and coaches over there that you kind of think fans will be able to see this year? Well, first, thanks for having me. And um, I just learned a lot from USA. Um, you know, 3-on-3 is obviously a little bit different than 5-on-5, but uh, translate a little bit. Um, obviously, I got to break down the 3-on-3 game, and it, it helped me um, see different options. And um, so when I got back to 5-on-5, it kind of opened up, slowed the game down a lot for me. Um, I was able to make better reads. But I'm just excited for this team and um, what we're about to do. Uh, you know, heading into the season, when I was talking to Coach Freeze, she said that when you're on offense now, you're going to be the hunted by some of the defenses. Kind of what's your offensive approach when you know that defenses are going to be looking at you, they're going to be keeping their eye on you while you got the ball? Um, Like I've said, um really all summer is that like I'm just trying to get people involved so um it's not going to try to be a one-man band but um getting other people involved early is going to be really important I want to ask you about the air elevation in Colorado you told me today that it, it's uh it's it's a little tough tell me uh, your best story you got from over there when, when you had to adjust and then what's the what's the most best memory you have uh, from over there after you talk a little bit about the the thinner air as they say uh, I mean, after our first game, we kind of just looked at each other and we're like, what the hell? Because, like, we, our throats were, like, burning. Um, but it was kind of just getting used to and getting adjusted. Um, but, I mean, yeah. Did you learn anything from the 3v3 play style that you think you'll take back into 5v5? You're just kind of talking about the general differences there. Um, I mean, just moving off the off the ball, that's pretty big in 3 on 3. And then um, the way you come off screen is pretty important in 3 on 3. So... Um, I've taken that um, and used that in five and five a lot, and it's been actually very helpful. I gotta ask. So I think, like watching the games last year, you're one of the best shit talkers that on the team, from what I've seen. Uh, you know, you and Caitlin Clark got into a little bit, and you know, a little Midwest Hooper from Ohio. So you got got some of that edge to you. Um, I gotta ask, what's the best line you think you've used in terms of a little chirp that you think you got in people's heads? Like, do you got a go to line, or are you kind of like? varying it up game to game what's the best one you you think you've used that uh that you look back and are like damn i that was solid i don't feel like <laughs> i don't have a go-to line it's just kind of like heat of the moment that's I, really it i don't know i heard a lot of get that weak shit out of here last year from, <laughs> from you <laughs> okay yeah okay that one okay for a block <laughs> yes okay yeah um uh, Who's the heading into this year other than you? Who do you think got like? Because in practice, y'all go up against each other. Who's the most like competitive or, or talks the most? Would you say? Bree McDaniel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bree got a little bit. It's something about the Midwest, man. She's Chicago. You're Ohio. You guys, there's a little edge to it. For sure. Any stories from those? You know, those kind of physical and aggressive and a lot of trash talk in practices. Honestly, not really. Like we tra we trash talk, but then it's like for maybe like half a second, and then we forget about it. Like I don't have a memory. How how about in game? Any any times in like a tough Big Ten opponent matchup that you just remember 
I kind of cooked them there with what I just said. <laughs> like, what, what's a specific moment? It's usually just like, if we're like trying to hype each other up, like especially if someone gets an M1, we're just like, and one, like they can't guard you, and one. It's just something like that, usually. How about bench celebrations? Because that's something that, you know, I've seen a lot of clips on social media online recent years as I'm showing, oh, this is the bench celebrating the so-and-so. You know, what are some of Maryland's bench celebrations that you guys do? It all depends. Like, if it's an and one, usually someone's, like, flexing, or, like, if you have, like, a nice pass, like, Someone's usually like looking on the floor and like picking up a dime and like putting it in their pocket, like stuff like that. So, you know, you and you were on the team two years ago. Um, you know, when Brent, when Coach Freeze talked about <clears throat> it felt more like a me centered locker room than a we centered locker room compared to last year. So you kind of got to experience both types. Can you talk about the difference? And then what do you think? How do you feel this year's team chemistry is kind of building early? Because Obviously, people ask all the time, oh, how's the team chemistry? And, of course, you're going to say it's good. But what specifically about this team do you think is different than the years past? I think just the difference between the me and we centered locker room was just last year's team, everybody just put, like, their best foot forward and was just like, I don't care, like, what my role is. Like, Brene came from being a starter and playing, you know, heavy, heavy minutes and was accepting that she was coming off the bench and didn't complain. And I can't, you know, I can't really say the same for the year prior, but I mean, that's just kind of comes with the gig, I guess, sometimes. And then this year's team, I mean, I think it's talking about like our freshmen, our freshmen really do get it. Like the position that they're in, um, what they got themselves into, like they really do understand what's going on. And then I think this team is just everyone's being held accountable, but also like knowing that like, we kind of we all need each other so we're not trying to like leave anyone out or be like a one-man band um i think we're all just trying to figure like work together and like figure out how we can best utilize everybody that's something that i think i've you've heard echoed throughout the program when talking with players and coaches is the freshman's work ethic right and i think it's twofold like yeah the freshman's work ethic like i'm sure is great like riley obviously is poised to have a big year but it also seems like it might might have been an indictment on last year's team and the freshmen specifically not that they didn't work hard but just that they weren't maybe ready for the college game um is that something where you noticed that you know in last year's game uh, last year's season and then how did you kind of feel about it and how did you feel coming into your freshman year um you know in terms of like getting acclimated I think you can definitely tell if someone's ready or not, but it also takes a second, like, getting used to because, you know, we're throwing a lot of things at you. I think my freshman year is obviously I was coming into a lot of um, All-Americans, and um, they just came off a great run. So I needed to figure out a way to get on the court without scoring, and that was going to be my defense, and that's kind of all I really did my freshman year's defense. I mean, and um, I just shot a ton of threes. I didn't go in the paint, like at all um so i think that's just something like being a freshman you have to figure out a way to get on the court and from my experience i would say defense is the fastest way you know kind of following up on that with the topic of leadership you're now a junior now you're an upperclassman kind of how have you evolved as a leader through now three years here at maryland I think, honestly, just being with, you know, basically three different groups, you get to learn people, um, understand the game a little more, um, vocalize your opinion a little bit more. So um, just kind of understanding who I'm with and um, what's the goal of this group and um, what is our connection like, um, that's just kind of helped me become a better leader. You said defense obviously matters, especially as a freshman, but I want I want to get to know, because you're the, you're the leader of this team, obviously, or you and Faith kind of are, it seems like, have taken that mantle. You know, your defense last year, I, I think it finished like ninth in the Big Ten, so middling at best. Um, and you lose now 50% almost of your scoring production. But I think you're bringing in a lot of good defensive pieces. Do you kind of see this year's team maybe being more of a grinded out, you know, really use your length to disrupt, force more turnovers, that type of thing? Or do you think it's just going to be like years pass? No, I think we're definitely going to be able to be a little bit more aggressive. And obviously we add height and um you know, getting Allie and Emma back is pretty big for us. Then obviously adding Howard six seven pretty big. So um 
I think that's just gonna be huge for us in being like they being able to attack people, um, shrinking the floor a lot for them. So I think that's just gonna be a big deal for us. Shy, you gotta tell take me through the Purdue buzzer beater. So I know like after the game you were like man like talking about how Diamond like you like everyone's expecting Diamond to get the rock in that situation. Um but Abby made a great pass to you out on the corner and and that thing just I mean it went high, but it went in <laughs> it went in. Um you know, when you caught that, was it just like instant reaction, let it fly? And then kind of afterwards, you just turned and yelled, did you have a selly plan? Like, I would have loved to have seen a little D-Rose get up on the crowd, scream, scream at the crowd. Like, what goes through your head in those type of situations? Do you just kind of black out? Like, take us through that moment. Well, Coach B drew the way. It wasn't even for me, honestly. Abby got stuck in this. I happened to backfill and get the ball. And I knew I didn't have a lot of time on the clock. And I didn't want it to come down to the wire. So I thought about it. I was like, Maybe I should shot big. I'm no. I'm like no. I'm letting this whole go, and I let it go, and um, it went in. And then I didn't really have a celebration. I was just like, well, <laughs> there you go. And um, but it was a cool experience. It was fun. Um, it was crazy actually. You've kind of built up this relationship with Freeze. It seemed from the outside, and uh, tell me if I'm wrong. Where you guys kind of josh each other, like it's back and forth. Last year. You kind of commit these reach and fouls. You'd see her kind of, you know, not yell at you, but the classic Brenda uh, foot stomp. Um, you know, how is it? How has it kind of changed over your time here of your relationship with her? Because was that were you that comfortable with her from freshman year and now to junior year? And what's you know after you answer that, what's the funniest Brenda story you have or the best one of you two interacting? I think I've uh, really always had that relationship with her, like since coming in. But um, because I was a very outspoken freshman, um, so I think like our relationship definitely developed quickly. And then um, my best moment, I think honestly, I wasn't even there for it, but I still think this is the funniest thing ever is when she was at, I think it was halftime at the um, Washington Mystics game versus Minnesota or whatever. And Coach B was shooting those free throws like during halftime or whatever during that game. I thought that was so funny. You weren't there though, bro. <laughs> I don't. I don't care. Like when I saw that on the flight, I actually was peeing my pants. That's so funny. Um, you know, Coach Freeze is arguably one of the best, if not the best, college coaches right now. What have you seen from her that separates herself from all the other coaches that you've had? Um, that's a tough question. Actually, I just think, you know, she has a great support staff around her. Um. She thinks the game, they try to adjust very quickly and they try to adjust to the team that we have every year. So it's not like just repeating the same thing over and over again. They definitely know um, what we have and what we don't have. So I think that's um, just helps us uh, move a lot quicker instead of like trying to like make sure that everyone knows everything, if that makes sense. Obviously, you had media day today. You probably have asked too many questions more than you probably wanted um any question that stands out that just like really made you laugh weren't expecting just like any very funny or like wild questions you heard today i think i didn't hear any wild but my favorite one was like what's my what's my basketball it and i had to think about that for a second and i was like damn what is it and i couldn't even think of anything all i thought was all i thought of was like people that play with like no show socks the no the no show socks with the pants look <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> Um, kind of touching on media day a little bit. When you're in high school, you're not doing as many interviews as you do in college. So have you found that the more interviews you do, the more comfortable and the better that you've gotten at answering these questions? I mean, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I think so. Um, I mean, I've always been pretty comfortable talking to the media, so it's not really anything different for me, but, um, yeah. In terms of, you know, the fans and the environment in the Xfinity Center. I know that was a big thing for you guys last year was kind of fueling it. And you especially are a big proponent of like watch women's basketball, attend women's basketball. Have you ever like had discussions with people who are like not anti, but are hesitant? And what do you tell those people and, and how have those conversations gone? Yeah, I've definitely had those conversations with people. And I think, I think they're interesting and in why people choose not to or whatnot, but Honestly, it all comes down to, like, your environment. One, like, where you grew up in your environment. And two, like, what are the people around you doing? 
Like, if people around you are like, oh, I'm not watching women's basketball. That's so boring. Da, 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 da. But then if you were to actually sit down and watch and, like, get, like, they cook. Like, you cannot sit there and tell me that Chelsea Gray is not one of the most entertaining people ever. But then you want to be happy about people pulling from 90 feet or saying that women miss layups or something like that when every single person, every man has missed a dunk in their career. Like, it's just, you know, um, but you have to pick and choose with people because some people um, are very close-minded. Is there a certain player that you grew up watching a lot and kind of modeled your game after? Yeah, it was definitely a combination of uh, Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi. That was like my go-to people to watch. I always, um, I was the WNBA, like when you're watching, how's it different than college hoops? Like what are some of the key, key differences that you see when like, because I know I talk with like coaches and they scout the W like to bring sets in and things like that. But as a player, when you're watching, you know, what is some of the biggest changes that you notice you can definitely see like the physicality is um taken up a notch i mean diamond came back this summer and um we like played like a little game of 101 and then she actually started pushing me i'm like oh they finally taught you how to play defense like that's crazy um but it's just it's both the physicality and then um you know they got to get through screen so i guess it just depends on what program you come from who won the one v one? I don't even. I think we forgot to finish it. To be honest, <laughs> who's winning though? Have you all done it before? Like, yeah, it's honestly it's up in there. Like when we played, we used to we always used to get in trouble because we used to try to play before practice all the time. But um, it would it would go up in there. My freshman year, she used to whoop me every year though. I mean, every game, every time we played, she used to kill me. Her and Ashley used to kill me every time. Damn. I feel like you'd be a good one-on-one player. Like, who's the best one-on-one player now? You, I feel like you or Lab would be, just in terms of, like, one-on-one. But who would you say, other than yourself, is the best bucket just in that type of atmosphere? Yeah, Lab's tough. Lab was tough. Abby was really tough. And, that like, those three are those really tough players to guard. You told me today there's a sleeper uh, point guard, you know, in the mix or whatever. You know, people, I tweeted it out and, Got like people saying faith. So you got people, you got people riled up with that type of quote. Can you give us any insight into what you're looking at in terms of the lineups? Like who have you seen really impressed? If you don't want to say who the point guard is, that's fine. But who's kind of, who's kind of been the, uh, the standouts early on that you could see, you know, forcing their way into the rotation. Uh, obviously lab's been huge. Um, has been huge. Riley's been really good for us. Just, um, Addings and pace, a taller guard. She can shoot the ball very well. So I think that's big for us. Um, who else? Uh, obviously, Bree. Bree's made a huge jump. I haven't been meaning to say Bree. Bree's been, um, she just stayed here all summer, put in a lot of work. And I think, uh, obviously, it's coming to light. So I think those people are going to be really good for us. All right. Well, shall we do this with? With every, with every guest we have on, we're going to do a little rapid fire segment to kind of cap us off. So I'm just going to ask some some quick hitters here and you're going to have to give me your best honest answer, all right? Okay. What's the what's the hardest player you've had to guard? Tracy Sheldon. The most, the funniest teammate you've, ever, you've had? Ashley Wusu. The best locker room opposing field or opposing stadium that, that's out there? Oh crap! Oh. I don't know. I'm gonna say, uh, oh, Ohio State. I don't know. How about the worst one? The worst one, uh, Purdue. I think. I don't know. How about who's the? What's the worst or weirdest like fan request or question you've been asked? Um, I really haven't had that bad of an experience. Okay. What about? Uh, oh, go ahead. How about your favorite bucket ever? Mm, Purdue, probably. How about the 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 most like a possession you've just been clamped and there's nothing you can say. You're just like, damn, they they were they strapped me there. I think I don't even know who was it against, but like I went to go drive, and like 
three people like kind of like shrunk the gap a little bit and I ended up tripping and I just fell straight on the ball and I was like, God. What's the most mad you've ever been in a practice? <laughs> um, I declined to answer that. <laughs> How about your favorite Big Ten opponent to beat? Uh, Iowa or Ohio State. Mm. Who would be the best, like, non-basketball athlete on the team, like any other sport? Like, and what would that sport be? Lab and it doesn't matter. It could be flag football, baseball, <laughs> whatever. That girl is gonna be an athlete. <laughs> What's the uh in the U.S. in the USA situation when you got there? Who was the toughest teammate you had? Like, you were just like, whoa, they're a bucket. Morgan Wally. What was one player on Maryland's team that you think could make all Big Ten by the end of the year that hasn't? Lavender Briggs. Who's a backcourt mate that you'd ideally want to play with in the country right now that's not on Maryland? Makaira Cook. Nike or Under Armour? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> Best hooping shoe you've ever owned? Uh, The Steph Curry Flows. For real? Yeah, they're actually super comfy. And I have insoles, so I guess that helps too. What's the best? What's your What's your go to drip for a game? Like, what What are you trying to put on? You know what I mean. <laughs> like in a game. In game. An undershirt and a compression short. I don't know. I don't wear. Anything. You don't got an arm sleeve. I feel like yeah. You don't. Y'all don't. You guys. Uh, I'm trying to think who's got the who's got the best encore drip in your opinion. I don't know. Like we all basically wear the same thing, except like some people wear like, you know, like Faith last year like wore like a one leg sleeve, but that was like so her brace wouldn't move. So, <laughs> <laughs> what about off court? Best off court style? Oh, laugh. That's easy. And then lastly, what's one teammate that if you had to be stranded on a desert island with, and th this is like both entertaining and also like I need to survive. Who are you bringing? Faith. Faith. Okay. Well, thanks again, Shy. We appreciate you. Um, good luck the rest of this season. Uh, we'll be tagging you, obviously, in all the stuff. So, um, again, thanks for coming on, and uh, good luck to to the season. I'll be seeing. We'll both, me and Mike, will be seeing. You. Thank you so much for having me. Well, folks, you heard it from Shy Sellers. She's high on the Maryland women's team, and you're going to find out what both me and Mike think because we're covering the we're covering the squad. So um, this is episode is all going to be about Maryland women's basketball. Uh, we're going to take you through a preview, and then a couple weeks from now we'll be doing the men's side. Um, so two mega preview episodes for you guys uh, just to kind of get a sense of where we think Maryland basketball, both programs are heading into the 23-24 season. Yeah, Mike and Sam both covering Maryland women's basketball. Mike covering it for Terrapin Sports Central and Sam covering it for the Diamondback. I'm going to take a bit of a backseat here as they know this women's basketball team a bit better than I. But just to start it off, scrimmage on Sunday. What did you guys see? I was there. I was able to watch the Terps get back to action for the first time in a while. And one thing I will say is that Riley Nelson, freshman, going to be really, 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 really good. Really, really good. She had 23 points. Oh, really? For there? I mean, 23 points, your first collegiate action. Yes, it was a D2 team, but that's a big jump from high school to NCAA. And then my other big takeaway from the game is that Bree McDaniel, she's been hyped up this past offseason by Freese and her teammates, saying she's going to make the same type of jump that Cheyenne Sellers made last year. She looked apart. She added 22 points, 7 of 10 shooting. Great all-around games for those two. Yeah, I mean, I think that when you look at this team, that's kind of where the potential lies, um, is those players taking that leap. I mean, a player like Brie McDaniel, I can tell you, talking with people around the program, they are hyping her up tremendously. I mean, every person you talk to, player, coach, you know, spokesperson, whatever it may be, they're saying she's poised for a big year. Um, really changed her body. She looks more fit. I don't know what... I was not able to watch the game, but I, I read a lot of stuff and was able to get some eyes on some video, and, and she looks better, um, more conditioned. She's always been a good defender, but she's now able to kind of play a, play a larger role because of that stamina, and her game just looks more refined. Um, so it'll be interesting to see her kind of you know step up onto the competition. Um, and then Riley, uh, 
I mean, she's just a bucket. She's probably, I don't want to say this because I think Shy is very good, but she might be the most natural bucket getter um, on the team uh, this upcoming year. Just how smooth she is. She's a three-level scorer. Her mid-range um, is great, and, and she's able to shoot the three ball and obviously get to the cup. Um, plays really well out of pick and roll. Um, I think she's still figuring out how to be a point guard. You know, she told me at media day that that's like she's kind of just drowning right now almost in a way. Like it's like I'm not looking to make the complex play at this point. I'm just looking to not turn the ball over pretty much. Um, and I think that that's something that as the year progresses, you'll get to see her more and more comfortable. It might be shaky at first, but I think being able to have her play next to shy will help take a lot of pressure off her early on. I mean, Sam, you learned a little bit about those kind of individual developments on the little piece you did. So if you haven't read that one, go check it out. But I think maybe the biggest storyline coming into the season is losing Diamond Miller and losing Abby Myers. Um, how do you think the Terps are going to bounce back from losing those two key players? Mike, go for it. It's got to be a committee approach. Freeze told me very early on um, this school year when I was talking to her, they're going to have a committee approach to the offense. And that doesn't mean it's going to be a bad thing. That means that they have a lot of a lot of players on offense who any given night they can kind of take over. Just looking at the roster here, I can name, let's see, Cheyenne Sellers, Lavender Briggs, Brene Alexander, Jakia Brown-Turner, Faith Masonis, Riley Nelson, Bree McDaniel. That's seven players who I can say, I look at a stat sheet and be, ooh, that makes sense. They led the team in scoring tonight. That That's what's good for this Terps team. They have a couple different players who can do it for them, and it provides them that depth too when they're not doing it. So, Sam, do you think that kind of offense by committee is, is going to be a successful method in Big Ten play? Yeah. Question. I think that, you know, it's it's easy to say, oh, you know, like team will, the team will score by committee. And um, I think in some ways they'll, they're going to play faster. But I don't think the offense is going to be as good as it was last year. I don't really think it's going to be close. Um, you lose two top, you know, first round draft picks to the W. And Diamond just did so much in terms of connecting the offense that you don't even really pick up on, um, you know, watching the game at a, at a glance. She just was able to fill gaps because when you have a basically a wing who can play any one through five, it just does so much. And then Abby is just an elite floor spacer. They don't really – I think that they might be actually a better percentage shooting team this year, but they don't have, like, a person on the roster right now at least that you're if on opposing scout teams where you're just circling it and being like, you cannot let this person shoot off the line, at least at this point. Bernays Alexander is a great shooter, but she's not really one you're worried about putting it off the bounce and going and making a play like Abby. So I think the offense will be worse. Um, but I do think uh, potentially that you're going to see a more balanced attack, um, which I think can help a lot maybe in the in the mid-stretch of games where a diamond's not playing great and Abby's not playing great. You kind of have more to pick up the slack. Uh, but they're going to need big leaps from Sellers and Nelson in order to, in late-game scenarios, survive. One player that I'll say to look out for that maybe a couple of more casual fans might know is Jakia Brown-Turner. She transferred um, the past summer to Maryland from NC State. She was a five-star heading out of high school, like the number 16-ranked player, I believe, heading out of high school. She comes to the Ter Terps for her fifth year. She was actually just named to the Cheryl Miller um, Award given to the best small forward in college basketball. So I think Terp fans need to have their eye on her because she looked pretty aggressive in that first half of the exhibition game. I know, again, it was just exhibition, but she looked like she was getting comfortable in the offense. She finished with 10 points, um, and I would look out for her. I mean, the one thing that definitely looked very strong in the exhibition game was the defense, obviously not the strongest of opponents. But what are your guys' thoughts generally overall on how you think the Maryland defense will do this year? I said that the offense will regress. I think this defense is going to finish top five in the country. That's my hot take. Um, I think they'll be the best in the Big Ten just because of the perimeter length. Mike talked about it. Brown Turner is an excellent defender. She's coming in, and she's a great wing wing player. Lavender Briggs was this team's best defender last year. She's back. She's healthier. Um, I think that'll be a huge step up in terms of just her on-ball uh, presence. Bree McDaniel, uh, we again said, excellent defender. You're bringing Shy is playing the point guard over an Elisa Pinzon. That's a huge difference in terms of the defensive side. Shy's like a 6'2 with length. Pinzon was, you know, 5'10, 5'9, and, and didn't really, you know, bring that type of defensive aggressiveness. And then they also add more size. You know, bench players like Ali Kubek, 
Emma Chardot, Faith Masonis is a good you know team defender. That they're adding more of girth and more physicality to a lineup that desperately needed it last year. I think they lose their best overall defender in Diamond Miller, but I think they upgrade um, depth wise and also in big spots. Like Abby Myers, great player, was not an excellent defender, I think. And you add um, that type of uh, offensive, um, or you lose that type of offensive production, but you add that defensive production. I think that does a lot. I mean, there was a stat last year. Um, Maryland on defense um, gave up a 66% defensive rebounding rate. That ranked 299th in the country. Um, the Big Ten average is 70.5, so they lacked there. And then the defensive efficiency, um, if you look at lineups that really um, were great on the defensive side of the ball, you had you know lineups with, obviously, the starters play great. But even beyond that, I mean, the lineup of, Shy Sellers, you know, Briggs, Alexander, Masonius, or Masonis, sorry, Faith, and um, and Diamond was the best defensive lineup. Four of those five are back. Um, and I think that that, uh, I, to finish off a, a long-winded speech, I think that this defense has a chance to be elite, frankly. Yeah, Emma Chardon, she might not be someone that a lot of reporters will be talking about, but she played the third most minutes on Sunday. She played 20 minutes um, she provides a lot of length off the bench, like you said, as a forward. So I do think that she's going to help out this defense too. But there's the problem is the Big Ten is loaded, right? Like we talked about the lack of stars Maryland has, and that's something I think is interesting. Maryland's one of those top teams. Every other team in the Big Ten has an elite player. Kaitlin Clark, obviously, everyone knows about it at Iowa. Mackenzie Holmes was, you know, a unanimous first-team All-Big Ten player last year. Cody McMahon at Ohio State is going to be a first-team and a, a high WNBA draft pick. They have those top-notch talents. Maryland does it. They're going to have to make up for it on the defensive side of the ball, in my opinion. But who says that Shine Sellers doesn't take that leap this year? Because that's, if we think that's about the big it, question. I think that that's what, you know, as you said, like, you never know, Mike, and that's I think that's kind of the big big question that hangs on this team. We just have seen a Clark do it. We've seen a Holmes do it. We know McMahon going from freshman to sophomore year is going to take another big leap. You know, it could happen very well with Shy, but I don't I I can't put her on the level of a Caitlin Clark or Mackenzie Holmes. Like those two have a stat are established. Yeah, you, you definitely can't elite college basketball players. But do you think? I mean, do you think she becomes? I mean. For Maryland to really reach their ceiling, she needs to be a top three player in the Big Ten. And I don't know. Do you, I don't know. I, don't, I would say no, she doesn't get there. I think she's probably a fringe first team, second team, all Big Ten member, but um, obviously a great player. I just don't know if she gets to that level. Do you? I think that there's two different positions you can have. You can have number one. She played behind Diamond and Abby last year, so that this year she's going to be getting the Rockmore. She's going to be the go-to person, and she's going to get those opportunities Number two is that she played behind da Diamond and Abby, so that made her look a lot better than maybe she would be as like the lead guy on offense. I think those are the two different competing theories you got right now. I've got to lean towards with Diamond and Abby gone, she's going to make the most out of those opportunities. She wasn't too efficient on Sunday. She finished with 10 points, but she also added seven assists too. So you can kind of see, you know, she talked about it with us a little bit, that facilitating. I think she's going to be able to do a lot of stuff for them on offense. That's the question, though, too, is like she's going to have to be more of a facilitator this year. Last year when you had an Abby and a shot and a diamond, you could kind of just pick your spots to go get a bucket. Now, now this year she's going to be in charge of setting up the offense, running pick and rolls, getting players the ball in rhythm. That takes a lot of toll on you as a player versus when you're just told, hey, go score the rock. I don't know. I mean, Brendan, from an outsider's perspective, obviously not an outsider, but from someone who, you know, isn't around the team every day, I'm curious to know, like, what do you think about this this kind of lack of star talent? And do you think Shy gets to that level where we're talking about her at the end of the year as like, okay, this is potentially an all-American level cal or caliber player? I think it's going to be the type of season where you don't start off very strong. I mean, we're, we can talk about the schedule and how, um, you know, difficult games to begin the year. But I think the first couple of games in Big Ten play are, are is is where you're really going to see Maryland struggle. I mean, you guys have obviously talked about it a little bit, but just not having the same offensive star power and having someone who's going to bring the ball up the floor and make plays that has a lot of confidence that's been in the Big Ten for a while. Um, 
I think Shy will get there next year. I think she'll be a very solid player in the Big Ten this year, but I think senior year is when you'll see her shine. And we can talk about that schedule next. I mean, yeah. obviously, it, it's a little different than the men's side. Um, they always schedule a tough, tough, tough non-conference, but this year it's particularly brutal. Back-to-back road games are the... I mean, Harvard is a good team in itself. Um, you know, obviously, the Crimson are not the level of a uh, South Carolina or UConn, um, who they play after the after Harvard, but still a tough game. And then you go on the road, back-to-back games, um, take on uh, South Carolina, and then you play UConn, um, both, you know, one in South Carolina and one in Connecticut. Uh, you know, Shy Sellers is, or not Shy Sellers, Paige Bukers is back um, for the, uh, for the Huskies. And I think that obviously that game is a little tougher this year than it was last year. Mike, do you see any way that they come out with one win in that little stretch? And then other than that, do you see a potential loss on the, on the non-conference slate? Um, really quickly before we get into also got to add in Wazoo there they also play against Washington State that's going to be another pretty big ranked game for them Syracuse too is not Syracuse as well Um, I would tell that I would tell Terps fans to expect possibly a low start you have we didn't mention all of the freshman class but you know Riley Nelson freshman she's expected to be a big contributor for this team that's a tough, tough, tough non-conference schedule to start out your career with. Obviously, they start with Harvard, but then they got those two consecutive games against South Carolina and UConn. They're going to have some little road bumps there. Same thing with Shy Sellers as a leader. She has not experienced playing as a number one option yet in college. Then she's going to get thrown into all these ranked matchups early on in the season. I'd expect some road bumps for them to start the year. I think as a coach, though, that's absolutely what you want because – the way you get your team battle tested is you go in and you play, you know, some of the top teams in the country. You're not going to be able to perform well in the NCAA tournament, which is the ultimate goal, if you don't have those losses at at the beginning of the season. And I think that's kind of a, a similar theme to what we uh, saw last year with this team, right? Yeah, difference was those two games were at home. Uh, and the difference was is UConn doesn't have potentially the best player in the country. Um, so I would agree. I think they probably take two losses. Um, very easily could drop one. I mean, Harvard finished 12, 20 and 12 last year. Wazoo's ranked, as Mike said. Syracuse is always a solid program. Um, so if you can walk out of the non-conference with just two losses, that's great because they face another tough Big Ten schedule. Um, road games at Indiana, Ohio State, Michigan. Um, that's tough. And then back-to-back, uh, Mike, the stretch of the schedule that I think is going to determine determine where Maryland finishes um, is in the late stretch of January. Uh, they face... Indiana and Iowa on January 31st and February 3rd, respectively. Um, the two top teams picked in the Big in the Big Ten. Uh, what do we think that that goes on there? And what record do we think Maryland has to get to um, in order to maybe you know finish in that finish with another Big Ten title? They've got seven since they came to the Big Ten, which is pretty ridiculous. First, I'm going to ask you since you covered them last year. What was their standings? Kind of, kind of tell us about how they kind of finished a Big Ten last year with Diamond and Abby. Yeah, I mean, obviously, last year's team finished tied for the Big Ten um, in terms of, you know, uh, where they came out. But it was kind of back and forth. I mean, really, they didn't have the one slip up that hurt them was they lost at home to Nebraska, and and you can't have a game like that if you want to compete. So finishing second, obviously, Indiana came in first with a sixteen and two record. Um, but they tied with Iowa, and it really was just that loss to Nebraska that kind of doomed them. They The only other two losses they had were on the road at Indiana and on the road at Iowa, which are you know, obviously very tough places to play at. Um, I think they got to get back to that same record and, and maybe even one less loss. 16-2 and two probably seems like the best-case best, best case scenario if they want to have to, um, you know, if they want to win that Big Ten, Big Ten title. I'll say this. I don't know if they can compete with Iowa to win the Big Ten title this year. I think that a really good benchmark, I mean, do they have a player like Kate? I I see you raising your hand. We can get to your point. But do they have a player like Caitlin Clark who can singularly take over a game? Like we talked about the depth and how they can do, you know, team by committee and all that. But when it becomes crunch time, when it becomes less than two minutes left in the game, they need a player to take over. I I give Iowa the edge there. I might oh, even give Indiana the edge there too. 
hundred percent. I don't think that that's wrong to say what I was trying, what I was going to just say in remarks was, I think here's my hot take. I think Iowa finishes fourth in the big 10. Really? I think losing. Yeah. I think losing Monica Sazano, um, who was their center last year for was a three time or two time, all big 10 player. You know, leaves is Clark's pick and roll partner was an elite finisher inside. They're not really in a position to replace her. They also lose Gabby Marshall, who was a was a uh, running maiden Clark in the backcourt to another senior. Indiana brings back a lot. Holmes is back. Um, and then Ohio State, I think, is poised for a huge breakout year. Cody McMahon is probably not not named Clark. I think she's the most exciting player to watch in the Big Ten. An extremely lengthy, great defensive wing who also can play on the ball. Um, a pretty awesome player to watch for any fans out there. And then I think Maryland... I think they're going to finish, and we can get into predictions, but I think they're going to finish toward that top tier. I agree with Mike that I don't know if you can put them at the level of where we're saying, oh, they're beating an Indiana on the road. They're beating a, you know, Ohio State in value center. Last year, it took a pretty Herculean effort. Um, and so I think having Iowa just at home helps a lot. Um, and I think that well, they kind of... It's, it's, uh, it's not during winter break, so all the fans can come in and cheer for them and have a really loud affinity center. Last year's Iowa game was no last year's Iowa game was bumping. And I think that you'll you're gonna see similar, especially especially after the comments that Iowa's coach Lisa Bluter made after the game. I don't know if y'all remember that, but that stirred up some some uh uh anger in the in the in the Twitterverse. But um I think they'll do well uh, in that conference slate. It's just really, you know, if you're able to avoid a slip up like how they did in Nebraska, which I would say one is on the schedule because of what you talked about, how young they are, Mike. I definitely think that the tough non-conference schedule, though, helps them tremendously because by the time it gets conference play, you know, that freshman class, Sellers, all those guys are going to have more experience heading into these big-time matchups, which, to be honest with you, they're going to matter a lot more than those non-conference games by March time because then that Big Ten tournament happens. Seeding for that is so important. Yeah, and I and the thing is, is nobody's gonna fault you come March for losses on the road to UConn or South Carolina. If things go to plan, the committee will just be like, "Yeah, you lost on the road." If you know everything goes like what we've been saying, you lost on the road to South Carolina and UConn. We probably are two one seed contenders. That's not like that big of a deal, you know. Um, so I think that it's good that they they schedule hard and it makes it fun for the writers as well. We get to cover some some fun non-conference play, especially when we get those back-to-back. I wish they were a little more spaced out because then we get to see games like George Mason, Towson. Like, there is a stretch where it's just like, oh, buddy, that is not necessarily the most fun. Green Bay, you, hey, UMass, shout-out, Brendan. Niagara, George Mason. Game of the year, people are calling they got it. A, they got a couple games in Cancun this year, I think. Am I, am I right? They do. You yeah. do. We're flying down there, Mike? Question mark. Uh, I know we're talking about Minneapolis. I'm not sure about Cancun. But yeah, I think that uh, it'll be interesting to see how this um, this conference schedule falls uh, falls in line. So um, definitely a loaded Big Ten, and, and what we're looking forward to. We've covered pretty much all of it, but can't let you guys off the hook yet. Got to hear some predictions for the upcoming season. So we've talked about it a little bit, but. Big 10 regular season standings, put a number on it. Where do you think they finish? I think three behind Indiana and Iowa. I'm going to say second. I say Ohio State wins the conference, Maryland, Indiana, Iowa. All right, and then after the regular season comes the tournament. So Big 10 tournament, where do you think they finish there? They always do well. Um in the tournament uh they're they lost last year in a tough game to iowa but uh i would expect them to to do well again i'll say lost in the championship to iowa i was gonna say yeah lost in the championship that should be pretty fun if, especially if we get to minneapolis we'll have to see if all those there's no if it's when <laughs> we'll have to see if all those predictions exactly line up with the uh you know, where they finish in the standings, but we'll have to see what happens there. All right, going to the player side of it, team MVP. Okay, so team MVP to me, everyone just picks the best player, right? Last year, oh, Diamond Miller. Obviously, Shy Sellers is the 
probably the best player on this team. But I'm going to say the most valuable player who overall just does the most for the team. I'm going to say kind of a a unique one. I'm going to go Faith Masonis. I think that she is still going to be expected to bang around in the paint with a lot of high-level centers and forwards in the Big Ten. She does so much for this team defense. Um, and I think just in her last year, which I think it's her last year, she's been in college hoops for like six or seven years. Um, I think she's going to do well um, and shoot it a little better. So I'll say I'll go off the radar and say fate. I'm going to say Jakia Brown-Turner. I think transferring from NC State, she could have an Abby Myers-level effect on this team with the scoring that she brings. The team, they, they've been pretty high on her scoring potential. Again, I said she looked pretty aggressive in the first half in the exhibition game Sunday. I think if everything clicks for her, she can be a massive part of this team. And now going into the NCAA tournament, how do you see the Terps doing there? Screw it. Final four. I think I Elite think... Eight loss. We go I ahead. Think... Sorry. No, no. I and I, I think Elite Eight loss completely. I, I could see any span of they they just don't get it clicking. There's not an elite score to pull them out of tough spots and they lose in like the round of 32. But I also see everybody clicks. You see an offense that is super multiversatile. You're able to kind of get a lot of different scores going and they just hit their stride come March and take it all the way to the final four. Um, I definitely don't think that they can finish higher than they did last year just because they lost da- Diamond and Abby. Like, that's such a hard task to try to replace. However, I think that they can make it back to the Elite Eight with this, you know, committee-based approach we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. I think that um, they're bound for uh, a solid, better, to, they're going to be better in March than they will be now, which is for every team, but especially, but I think, Maryland. So with a lot of the young people coming in, how do you guys think the lineup will kind of progress and change throughout the course of the season. Okay, so I think starting lineup day one, and I've done a lot of like thinking about it. Shy Sellers, Lavender Briggs, Bree McDaniel, Brene Alexander, Faith Asonis. Now at the end of the season, Shy Sellers, Riley Nelson, Bree McDaniel, Lavender Briggs, Faith Masonis. Actually, Jakia Brown Turner over Lavender Briggs. I think that they might keep Bree on the bench just to keep that spark coming off the bench for them in that second unit. I think that that's going to be, I mean, that was obviously huge for them Sunday in an exhibition game. She had 22 points off the bench. Um, So I think that they might keep that. And the starting lineup they had Sunday, I think that they'll start the season like that. Yeah, Shy Sellers, Lavender Briggs, Renee Alexander, Faith Masonis, Jakia Brown-Turner, by the end of the season, I agree with Sam. I think Riley Nelson is definitely cracking that starting lineup. It's going to be an awesome season either way, and uh, me and Mike are both excited to cover it, and I'm sure Brian is excited to watch it and, and talk about it as the year goes on. But there's still sports being played right now. Um, not this weekend from the football team, but they're back on the field. Um, they get Northwestern here uh, in a interesting battle um, between – uh, Maryland, who's coming off probably one of the most disappointing losses of the past five years, and Northwestern, who is not good and going through a program scandal, obviously. Brendan, we'll flip it around to you. What do you need to see for Maryland? Is it just a win, or is it they need to dominate for you to feel confident after uh, a loss late Illinois? It's the, it's the classic thing where Maryland has, you know, already started promoting the Penn State game, you know, wearing the yellow jerseys that. I do worry a little bit that Maryland may, you know, look past the Northwestern game, but it's a game you have to see Maryland go out there and just play strong from the jump. It's not a game you can get behind, you know, 14 points early, especially against a Northwestern team that has had a very unsuccessful season and, you know, a win for them this week is is bigger than it is for Maryland. It's another one of those games where Maryland goes into it knowing they can't lose, but I have confidence that bouncing back after the Illinois loss, taking a whole bye week off, getting ready to play Northwestern, that they'll be ready to go. I mean, it's tough when your team has a bit of a scandal, you know, the week leading up to a game. Um, Kevin Sumlin obviously having a DUI, not the best thing you want to have. Shout out Taylor Lyons. Shout out Taylor Lyons. Broke that from the Diamondback. But yeah, you know, it's not something you want to have happen. I don't think it will affect this team too much, but just another very odd thing to have happen in, you know, the Maryland football program. Speaking of controversies in Northwestern, you know. Maryland has one coming up this week too. So 
the Big Ten has just officially turned into wacko's zone. I mean, we got Michigan, who is filming players. I mean, just imagining a guy with a VCR just like zooming in, like with you know what I'm saying, like Devin Booker at the at the Diamondbacks game, and now we got Maryland's associate head coach drunk driving. Um, you know, which is obviously not a great look. I would not. Ex- I mean, I don't think someone will be on the coaching staff much longer. I mean, there's no shot. No. So not not a great look and um i'm gonna be honest i don't think it matters against northwestern uh they're not good i think maryland probably whoops them and then everybody gets their hopes up and they play penn state and penn state didn't look great but we'll talk about it next week i don't know mike you know quickly what do you see happening saturday you think it's a pretty open closed door uh i think uh i think maryland uh beats the other team in illinois pretty easy um, I think that take that game pretty good. They do it. They it's it's do a good it the bounce back time. game. It's a it's a, it's a great it's a great bounce back. Yeah, it is. It is a great spot to get right. Um, before you probably have the biggest game of your season. Uh, so far. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I would expect the Terps to come on top. Uh, and and we kind of move past football. We'll head into women's soccer, whose season is done. Um, guys. I don't know what to say. I mean, we we just play like, can we just take the episode segment from last week and then just put it on file for this week? Because yet again, guess what, audience? No goals. Um, the Terps, again, were shut out. Brendan, there's some crazy stats. Take us through it. Yeah, I'm going to just go through the game and then I'll give you, I'll let you guys guess a quick stat. Is it's, you know, it's really not what you would expect. So, loss against Indiana, no shots on goal in the second half. You know, that just kind of sums up their entire season. They're on a scoring drought since September 10th, which is now going to last probably for over 300 days until they play a pretty easy team at the beginning of the season. So who knows? The longest um, scoring drought in program history and also the lowest goal scored ever, not including the COVID short season, but the lowest goal scored ever in a full season for Maryland Lawrence soccer. The one small thing I will say, there's 14 teams in the Big Ten that have women's soccer teams, 14 teams total. Maryland happened to not play two of the bottom four teams, including themselves. Not an excuse, but just thought I'd mention it in there. You know, happened to face some of the higher competition, but shouldn't really matter. I just wanted to give you guys, I want to let you guess. So Maryland has had more than a few times where they've had no wins in conference play. They started in 1987. How many times since that point do you think Maryland women's soccer has had zero wins in conference play? Really? Two. Ten. This was their tenth time having no wins in conference what? play. What? Ridiculous. Um, the, there's been other programs that have been expedited out of the pro or uh you know, kicked out of the program. Gotta figure it out. Uh not great. Ten seasons is wild. Does nobody think that Nemzer is on a hot seat of whatever kind? No, I, no way they uh, I mean, I don't know. You hear from next year where they do this, they do this again next year. There's got to be some sort of change or at least a conversation. But like, I think it points to Brendan's stat that we just talked about points to them probably not right. firing her because of the low expectations that the program has. I know that no fingers are pointed towards her right now, but. I mean, no, no. They, they, they scored fingers. zero. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think that there's a lot of blame being put on her, but no, they no, scored zero right. goals in the Big Ten at all. And they've had they had talent on the team. Kennedy Bell, Ava Morales, our friend Bootsy. Like, it's her job as a coach to make sure those players can mesh well and play, you know, play yeah. well. And week after week, we've been talking about, oh, they weren't in a good spot to do this here. And, oh, maybe the players on that team don't mesh well together. That's her job. That's literally it's 100%, 100% right, Mike. I mean, I think, like, you, you, just because you say she's not in the hot seat, it's still her, like, on you as the coach. You have to do better offensively. I Like I've said the whole season, you have to score goals to win games, and they didn't do that. I did see her. I was covering the Indiana game, and she, you know, after the game, did a post-game press conference, and, you know, just kind of everybody had left. I was the only one left. I was doing my stand-up, getting ready to leave, and I look over, and she's just, you know, kind of taking it all in, sitting, you know, sitting on the bench, only one left, looking out. Um, and I think, you know, that shows me, it's hard to know really what to read from that, but it makes me think she's coming back and 
based on her post-game press conference, just, you know, she's only been here for two years. The team, she didn't get a good team. She didn't inherit a good team. She's worked her way in the transfer portal. And I think it's, she's someone who really wants it, you know, getting emotional in press conferences early in the year. You know, I, I think that she can turn this team around, but it's going to be very difficult. I mean, also, you know, you have to consider maybe it's just literally something in the grass they're putting in um, because the men's team also has no wins in Big Ten play. I don't know what's going on. The soccer programs are crumbling. It's just, it, it's tough. I mean, Brendan saw her have her, uh, Brendan saw her have her Stefan Diggs moment there watching the uh, Indiana team celebrate on the sidelines. Uh, Maryland is, Maryland or was playing Indiana on the men's side on Friday and uh, again um, took a loss. But um, if they don't play Ohio State for the last um, spot in the Big Ten tournament, uh, they play on Sunday. Um, it'll be the first time since 1992, which is the last season before Coach Sasha Cape, that they finished with zero conference wins. They still don't control their own destiny, Brendan. But can you explain to the audience what it will take for them to make the tournament? So Ohio State plays Michigan State Tuesday night, one day before this podcast is coming out. If they win that game, they're in to the Big Ten tournament. They lose that game, and Maryland beats Ohio State on Sunday. Maryland will get in. A tie won't do it. If Michigan State ties Ohio State, Maryland will still need that win if Maryland gets the win they're in. So if Maryland wins that game, they're going to be in, but... They don't control their own destiny, and it's never a position you want to be in. So I would say that the chance that Maryland makes the Big Ten tournament, unlikely they are playing Ohio State as the, you know, the next lowest team, so maybe they'll you know get in on a last-ditch effort. But really, making a Big Ten tournament with one win is not something to be proud of. Especially with the standards of the program. So yeah, we'll see. We'll have to see what happens. But even if they make it, you can't expect anything but just a quick exit. Um, so that's tough. And then... Mike, field hockey, um, take us through what's happening with Mahark's team, um, you know, coming up here uh, this week. I know we're talking about hot seats, but this is a hot team, the field hockey team. Oh! Massive win, massive win over number five, Iowa. And then they followed it up with a win over a mediocre Indiana on Sunday. They can now play for a share of the Big Ten regular season championship Thursday. Big-time matchup in the season finale against number one Northwestern. I mean, you have a legendary coach. The lights are bright. Thursday night for a share of the Big Ten title. It's an exciting time for this field hockey team. Yeah, they're mowing through the opposition, Mike, and that went over Iowa. I watched it. Very exciting game. Uh, they they balled out, and, and they're, they're doing a great job here at, at heading down the stretch. But they're kind of locked in. They, they got stuff to play for. So does the volleyball team. One and one this weekend versus Illinois and Iowa. Not great. Um, they now are probably going to have to get a win that we, when we talked about it last week that we didn't expect. Brendan, do we see that happening or is this weekend kind of a, a sign maybe of like, eh, it's, it's bordering on them making the Big Ten tournament? It's not over. All hope is not lost, but that magic number definitely does shrink in a way that you don't want to see it shrink for Maryland fans. Shouldn't have dropped the Illinois game. Beat Indiana. Going to get uh, beat Iowa, sorry, going to get Iowa again this weekend, but also they're going to have to face them after they face the powerhouse in Nebraska. So expecting Maryland to go one and one this weekend if they could still win over Nebraska. Shock me, but, you know, they've had they Johnson, By the way, Nebraska did. So I, they're rolling. They're like, I mean, they're it's, rolling. it's, you know, it, it'd be a shot in the dark, but. Maryland has a ranked win this year, so who's to say they can't get a, a couple more? But that's all we got for sports this week. Adam um, Hughes' record in conference games. That's who says they won't. Yeah. I tend to agree with you there, Mike. Um, I was feeling pretty good about my picks this weekend. I know you're feeling great about what you have scheduled in the coming moments. So tell us about the standings. Yeah, so real quick, uh, had another really bad week. I don't know what is going on. I was one and three. Brendan, you are still ahead of me. That pesky tie keeps you ahead at 10, 13, and one while I'm there at 10 and 14. And then you got Sam at the top in three and 11. Sam, he's been rolling as of late. Had a little bit of a slow start to the picks, but he is just like the field hockey team. He is hot right now. Pardon, pardon, just corrected for the audience. I'm not three and 11. Um, my record is better than. 
13 and 11. 13 and 11. Mike, I got really excited about the field hockey team. Mike, did I? I I went two and one this weekend, no? Uh, No, you did not. You missed the, uh, you took Penn State, or no, you took. Oh wait, you took a lot. I went two and one. Are we? I mean, all right, yeah. Whoa, who's on right, this right, guy? Right, right, right. Anyways, folks, sorry about that, but we are going to get started with our reigning weekly champion. He's still ahead at the leaderboards. We got Sam Jane, thirteen and eleven. What are your picks for this week? Champ is here. Uh, 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 uh. Champ is here, and that is going to start my day off uh, with an Iowa State minus one and a half, um, taking on. A not very great Baylor team. They then have a battle of Michigan, my home state. Unfortunately, it's none of the Michigan teams that actually matter. Eastern Michigan plus one and a half um, versus Western Michigan. Um, and then finally, I'm going to take Liberty. Um, the Liberty Flames minus four at Western Kentucky. So uh, looking to have another good week. I've been hot, like Mike said. Um, but Brennan is kind of nipping at my heels a little bit. Uh, with a two and one, Michael, two and one week. B, take it away. Uh, yeah, it looks like Sam would like to be watching college football on I don't know Wednesday night with his picks, but I can't, I can't really talk because I once again pick UMass, and we'll start right there. I'll take Army minus ten. UMass coming off that bye week after that huge loss to Penn State. I don't think it matters. I'm going to take Army minus ten. Maryland game on a huge bounce back week. I'm going to take Maryland minus thirteen and a half against Northwestern. The you know. That lines in the Big Ten are ridiculous. You have 32 and a half point favorites. I'm not going to take them. I'm going to take Indiana plus 32 and a half against Penn State. Just the way that the Big Ten can have these crazy blowout games and also have some of the best teams in the country always surprises me when I see their lines. Over to you, Mike. This is my get back week. I started the season with a 3 0 week. We're going to get another 3 0 week this season, this week after these picks. I'm going to start with Oklahoma, favored by 10 at Kansas. The Sooners let me down this uh, this past weekend and didn't cover. However, I'm going to trust them again this week. Kansas has failed to cover the spread in 12 of its last 13 games as an underdog against ranked AP teams. The Sooners are 6-1 and one against the spread this year. Next up, I don't watch a lot of FCS football. I'll say this, but I know this. JMU has a really good defense, and that leads to a lot of less points. I'm going to take James Madison and Old Dominion under 48 and a half. Old Dominion guys, in their last four, I think, yeah. Old Dominion in their last four October games, they've hit the under, and both teams have hit the under four out of seven games total this year. And then lastly, I'm going Oregon State, favored by three and a half points at Arizona. Oregon State is five and two against the spread this year and has covered the spread in nine of its last 10 games against conference opponents. If you really like my picks that much, you can get the Big Mike Parlay at six, uh, plus 608 odds for a $70 payout with 10 bucks. Um, do not follow Mike's bets. You don't want to follow the loser of the week. Don't gamble, uh, but these, these are just for fun. Um, but that episode was obviously fun, and Brendan is going to take us out with, um, again, another banger last week's was great. You got another one coming. Terrific turp. Finish this out. We're doing women's basketball episodes, so obviously going to go to someone who shined for the women's basketball team to get into it. This week's terrific Turp was an Olympian during her time as a Terrapin. As one of six kids, Vicky Bullet got her start playing basketball with her brothers around the neighborhood. Bullet didn't begin playing organized basketball on a team until high school, but all those games she played with her sibling got her prepped for prime time. One of her brothers, Scott Bullet, took after their dad playing professional baseball. Scott played Major League Baseball for the Pirates and for the Cubs, and their dad, James, played in the Negro Leagues. Back to Vicky, she was so ready for high school basketball that she made the Martinsburg West Virginia varsity team as a freshman. Moving on to her junior and senior years in high school, she was coached by her brother, Don, who helped her get recruited by schools like Tennessee, coached by Pat Summit, and of course, where she ended up, the University of Maryland. Her first year on campus in 1986 was a success, helping lead the Terps to her first of three ACC championships. Over the course of her college career, Bullet averaged 16.9 points per game and 8.5 rebounds per game, which led her to three ACC first-team selections and an invitation to the gold medal team in 1988 after her junior year. But making the team wasn't so easy, 
Many of the members were in the pros, so Bullet had to beat out over 200 people to make the team. Playing against worldwide competition in the Olympics elevated her game to become the ACC Player of the Year her senior year. The WNBA hadn't been formed yet when Bullet graduated, so she went on to play overseas. But when the NBA did start, she was the first player to ever be taken in the 1997 draft, the first ever WNBA draft. She played for the Charlotte Sting for three years and three years for the Washington Mystics while also playing on teams overseas, sometimes only taking a week off in between those seasons. After playing in the WNBA, she played four more seasons overseas before retiring in 2007. She came back home to get some honors, including getting a street named after her in her hometown and getting into the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame in 2011. Bullet spent a lot of time coaching various teams since then, from a middle school team to a community college team to professional teams. She was most recently the coach for the West Virginia Wesleyan women's basketball team, which she ended in 2021. All in all, Bullet remains one of the greatest players to step foot in College Park. You got all your women's basketball content here at Terrific, uh, with Terrific Turp and with this episode and Under the Shell. Um, you can listen to the recap and follow about me and Mike's coverage all year. But we'll be back with in two weeks with a men's basketball preview. Um, basketball is around the corner in College Park, folks. Everyone's excited to pack Xfinity Center yet again. Um, so get all your content you want at Under the Shell, uh, where you can find us on Apple, Spotify, Twitter, and Instagram, all the same handle. Make sure you subscribe to the pod. Give it a listen. And for one final time for tonight, have a good rest of your uh, evening. Guess what? You've got Under the Shell podcast. Nobody does it better.